This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 571. I am one of your hosts, Dave the Rave. And make sure that you listen to all of the previous episodes, MarkingOut.com. Also check us out on all of the other podcast listening, such as Spotify. Make sure you buy a t-shirt over at Pro Wrestling Tees. Make sure you give us a like on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and follow us on Instagram as well. But head on over to Manscaped.com. Use the promo code REGARDLESS for a discounted rate. And now, I introduce... To you, the one, the only, the B, two to the G, Brandon, how are you? I'm doing awesome as always, and yourself? Doing good, doing good. Getting a good uh, stretch in there? That's what it sounded like. I don't know why I did that. I thought it was it's pretty stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, at that rate, you might, might have as well have gotten the stretch. I, I didn't even stretch. Yeah, I don't know why I did that. It was dumb. That was like a waste of I'm doing awesome voice. as always. <laughs> yeah, it was nice, nice. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. You know, this past week has been uh, a roller coaster. Unfortunately, as you made mention to last week, my grandfather passed away peacefully at the age of 98 years old. And it's very, very unfortunate and lived a very full life. And may we all live to see that that uh, that age close to a hundred. You know, it, that's incredible. Yeah. It's just the amount of the amount that you live within that time span. Um, and I, so, I didn't even know he served. Yeah, yeah, he he served in World War II. Uh, he was a radio mechanic over there, um, and he he got to tour all over. He was stationed in France for a long time. Um, so, but very, very unfortunate and very sad. But how about you? How about your week? I, I really didn't do much. I it, literally three out of the days felt like Groundhog's Day where I just like lived the same day over and over again. I oh, even no. ate the same food. It was oh, bizarre. No. <laughs> but I, huh. I broke that streak and uh, moved on. I made some uh I guess you can call it like a Philly cheesesteak meatloaf. So okay, it was okay. Good. I wish everyone could try it, but you can't. So no, no, no. But yeah, that's really that in professional wrestling. Nice, nice. Well, speaking of professional wrestling, we might as well get into it. Let's talk about some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro, which opens up with Paul Heyman. And Brock Lesnar, where Lashley was backstage watching the segment, and he told Shelton Benjamin and Cedric that the Hurt Business was no more. And Bobby Lashley, MVP, made their way out to the ringside, or to the ring, I should say, and Lashley 
basically said that Brock Lesnar's been ducking him for the past 20 years, and Brock Lesnar said that Lashley's just not been in the same league as him. If he was winning championships, he would have been in the same place as him in the same time. He was not ducking him. And to look at both of their careers, they kind of have somewhat of a parallel career where it's professional wrestling into, well, for Brock Lesnar, it was football, but then MMA, UFC, Bobby Lashley wrestling UFC, not UFC, Bellator. Mm -hmm. So similar. I thought it was a really good open. Yeah, I thought it was a great open. I mean, even leading up to it, you had uh, Lashley with the the Hurt Business. Right, which is you know? which is unfortunate. I really like that group, but what's done is it's done. Time. It, the segment ends yeah. with the Hurt Business attacking Bobby Lashley. Yeah, trying to make a, a name for themselves, I guess. And Lashley came out on top of that segment. Yeah, so I'm not too sure what's going to be happening with the Hurt Business. Well, I don't know. Are they still I the think, Hurt Business, or I think, is there a new tag? I think Shelton and Cedric might still be going as the Hurt Business. I hope they change their name. They have all the merch already. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but yeah, like you made mention too, that took place and Brock Lesnar left without uh, without any harm done. But next up, you had... Backstage, you had Randy Orton and Matt Riddle doing some prep talk. I didn't understand that, though. It's because where he Randy was... doesn't want... Randy didn't want to lose. And the, the week prior, Matt Riddle could not tag Randy Orton in. They were prevented from tagging Randy Orton in. Um, uh... Alpha, Alpha Academy prevented Randy Orton from being tagged in. So Randy Orton wrote on Riddle's hand, tag in Randy. Ah. So, little, little throwback. Yeah, but Alpha Academy picked up the victory over RK-Bro to become the, the new Raw Tag Team Champions. I wish this match was longer. Yes, but I... You know what? I don't wish that it was longer. I thought that it was a good amount of time for what took place. I like the match. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any longer, I feel like I would have been taken out of it actually, you know, for the length that it was, it was long enough to keep me entertained and uh, enthralled with what was taking place. As opposed to if it's too long recently, I've been falling out of interest. So this kept me entertained the entire time. And I love the end, you know, with that, well, the power slam. Yeah, I thought uh, perhaps we would see Chad Gable be the one that picked up the victory here. But that wasn't the case, and American or Alpha Academy are the tag team champions, and I couldn't be happier. I like Otis. I like Chad Gable. I agree with you. This was something that we were both hoping for. Um, I guess this is going to lead to Randy Orton versus Matt Riddle for WrestleMania. Uh, maybe. Mm. I mean, maybe they have their. Maybe, maybe they, they face have their, off like, in the rumble. I don't know. I could see them definitely going at it uh, at WrestleMania. You know, maybe they 
have maybe Randy Orton turns on Riddle during their um, their rematch. If that exists, I don't even know. Yeah, if that exists, but. Yeah. After that, we saw the Dirty Dogs and Apollo Crews pick up the victory over Damian Priest and the Street Profits. Prior to this, Damian Priest declared himself for the Royal Rumble. But as far as this match, I feel like a lot of nothing happened. Like, if you blinked, um, you kind of missed this. I could have done without this match. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I definitely didn't expect Dolph Ziggler to pick up the victory here. I totally... I was thinking... Obviously, it's Damian Priest going to pick up the victory. I agree with you. Um, it's one of those things where, I don't, I don't know, every time that the dogs have been on TV and everything like that, I just can't help but think what, like, where they should be. You, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, and it's kind of like, I don't like watching them right now because I'm still, I, I don't know, I... I like, I could see Ziggler and, and Rude doing so much elsewhere, or even in WWE, but there's so much that they could be doing, but unfortunately, they're just stuck in limbo. Right. So, for their matches, I just can't get that much into. Well, after that, Seth Rollins came out and basically just put himself over for his match at the Royal Rumble. Big E cut this off and officially entered the Royal Rumble. And then Biggie challenged Seth Rollins, and Seth is trying to get out of it at all costs. He's like, you know what? Fine, we should do it next week. And then Biggie kind of like goaded him, and Seth finally agreed to have the match. And then Seth Rollins picks up the victory over Biggie. And I I enjoyed this match to the point where I wish there weren't any commercial breaks. Yeah. I, I thought that this match was awesome and I didn't I didn't expect Seth Rollins to get the victory. No. You know, I thought for sure that Big E was going to be going over. I thought Big you know? E was gonna hit the, the big ending from the middle rope and then pick yeah. up the victory, but Seth got out of it. He eventually hit the stomp and picked up the victory. Yeah, and it and it really makes you wonder I mean, what's your take on I mean it's a little sidetrack. Are you happy with his title reign? Yeah. Big I'm, E. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with you. I, I liked it. I do think that more could have been done with it. And I also, you know? I don't think this is the last time we'll see Big E as champion. I agree with you. I don't think so either. I don't think that they played to his, like, uh, gimmick enough for his title reign. Right. If that makes sense. And again, like, who knows? It. I think it took Miz, like, a decade before winning it again. Wow. If I'm not mistaken. A lot of, a lot of time. You know? After that, in the ring, Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. were out there. And Nikki ends up challenging Carmella and Queen Zelina to a rematch for the Women's Tag Team Championships. Which seemed like Rhea Ripley was caught off guard by that. And Rhea's like, we need to talk in private. And Nikki's like, you could do it in the ring. <laughs> And then Nikki ends up getting pissed off at Rhea Ripley, and she was like, I, I did you the favor. And Rhea Ripley went to leave, wanted to call it off, maybe a, an amicable handshake. And Nikki agrees and then poses on the ropes, where I thought for sure Rhea, Rhea, Rhea Ripley was going to toss 
her over. Yeah, it's yeah. like, hello, it's a Raw Rumble season. Why would yeah. I not think that? Yeah. That didn't happen. And Nikki snaps and attacks Rhea Ripley. Yeah, um, didn't expect that. What A part of me is not happy with it, though, that Rhea Ripley went down so easily. I don't know. Like, given, given uh, Nikki did, like, her, like, rapid uh, fire on her pretty much. Um, I don't know. I guess it's okay there the were, more that I talk about it. There were parts of this segment that were, I think, too slow for me. But then the, the outcome of this I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Backstage, Dana Brooke and Reggie were, I guess, about to eat some cheesesteaks. They were in Philly. Oh, I wonder if that's why I made. <laughs> <laughs> and now that's it funny. makes I sense. I wonder if that like triggered me. Like I need to get some sort of cheesesteak. <laughs> that's yeah. funny. But they were about to, to eat them and a referee ends up showing up. Our truth had showed up. Akira Tozawa was there. And Tamina shows up, gets a cheesesteak thrown at her. And. That was it. No championship on Tamita's birthday. <laughs> no, she got a cheesesteak. Here, here's a cheesesteak to your face for your birthday. Yeah, she definitely got a mouthful. And then they they <laughs> ran away, and Reggie ends up running into Omos, and Dana Brooke made Omos put Reggie down, and then I guess Omos it sets up a match for him versus Reggie next week. All because he ran into him. Yeah, and then almost goes on to pick up the victory over Nick Sanders, which went exactly how you would have expected it to. Yeah, little, uh, uh, create a pro. Yeah, I was going to say a create, little create a, pro. a pro action here. Yeah, create a pro action. But again, that's it's it went exactly how you thought. Yeah. After yeah. that, we saw the cutting edge with Beth Phoenix as the guest. I um. I think they might be doing too many of these. We've seen Ms. TV. We've seen The Cutting Edge. Yeah, Maurice I can see hosted that. Ms. TV. So it's like a feud based off of these interview segments, which I, I understand given that you're not going to have Edge wrestling every week. No, yeah. Um, but the it, the it Couple came out. And Miz trash Philadelphia, which I thought was funny. And then Maurice ended up leaving without Miz. She left him out there all alone again. So I don't fully understand what they're doing with this feud. But I feel mm-hmm. like it's going to be Miz and Maurice going over. I could see it too. I could see them going over. I feel like the Miz and Maurice always have something... Up their sleeve, you know? Exactly, yeah. But next up, you had AJ Styles pick up the victory over Austin Theory. But, I mean, this was a this was a good match. The big thing was uh, Grayson Waller. Yeah. He showed up, he attacked AJ Styles, and then <laughs> Austin Theory like went almost face-to-face with Grayson Waller, and it was like a mutual understanding that Austin Theory just wanted... A selfie with AJ before letting Grayson Waller continue. And then AJ Styles ends up taking over before Waller fled. Yeah. 
Waller was interviewed, and that sets up what happened on NXT this week. So I really, overall, liked this segment. I, didn't I agree even, with you. I didn't mind the DQ ending here. No, I didn't either, and it sets up everything with NXT. You know, and this is and this stuff that's been happening with NXT with Waller and AJ Styles. I mean, how many times have you and I, uh, I guess, made mark dreams and just wishes that they would send some of these caliber WWE guys over to? Well, I mean, all of them WWE, but Raw or SmackDown guys over to NXT. Yeah, you know, given one of those, uh, it's not. I was gonna say, I it's think, not Randy Orton. I, I think Sean Ross Sapp had reported something with Jeff Hardy where he was apparently supposed to be the shaman. Uh-huh. And they filmed vignettes and everything. And it's like, I, I I was waiting since before Jeff Hardy returned to WWE to be part of NXT. And then yeah. we didn't get him part of NXT, which uh, that was unfortunate. Yeah, very unfortunate. But we did get AJ Styles over there. And I think that that's, that's incredible. It's not Randy Orton. But, but, but again, in the same sense, like we had Charlotte go to go back to NXT. I understand that mm-hmm. AJ's on like a way higher, different level than Charlotte is. But Charlotte yeah. is like the top of the top in WWE right now as well. Yeah. After this, we saw Alexa Bliss at a doctor. I don't know what if it's like a therapist or what what the actual title is called, but she's still how we saw her last. And the doctor is saying that the the first step to recovery is admitting that she has a problem and that it's time to heal. I don't necessarily think I trust this doctor here. I don't know if that's the vibe we're supposed to be getting, but he's giving me heal vibes here. It felt like I was watching one of those bad doctors from uh, a Netflix MCU show where it's like, we know that the the reason behind her being like this is somewhat because of The Fiend, but it Mm -hmm. almost seems like this was the doctor who created The Fiend. I don't think we'll ever see something like that or or get that specific storyline, but Mm -hmm. I don't trust this doctor. (laughs) So I don't know. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. <laughs> like, Dr. Shelby was, like, a, a fun doctor. This doctor is, like, he did some bad things, it seems. Yeah, he's, like, American Horror Story doctor. Perhaps. I've never, I can't relate to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After that, Becky Lynch came out, and she basically just spoke about the women in the main event, saying anything could happen. And it sets up the main event, Dewdrop. Picks up the victory over Bianca Belair and Liv Morgan to become the number one contender to the Raw Women's Championship. This match? Hello, this is what I've been asking for. Give us main roster women's matches that are like NXT. Yeah, this was enjoyable. I liked when they were doing moves to both opponents at the same time. Like Liv Morgan at one point dove to the outside and then the the splash from dewdrop was hit on both opponents as well and then i liked i mean not necessarily there weren't a lot of them but when Liv morgan did the hurricane rana off of dewdrop's back that was cool yeah and then bianca belair lifting Liv morgan out of the rings of saturn i thought was nice and 
Bianca Belair was about to win, but there's no DQs in a triple threat match. Becky Lynch ends up attacking her and costs her the match. Dewdrop ends up hitting the bonsai to pick up the victory, and then it's Dewdrop versus Becky Lynch at the Royal Rumble. Which should be pretty interesting. I mean, you saw Becky Lynch try to get one up on Dewdrop, and she failed. Yeah, she went for that manhandle slam, and she couldn't get her, which I think is a fantastic way to build up Dewdrop. I I agree with you. It's going to be playing that can Becky succeed in hitting even her moves and getting a one-up on her. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see. I think... Actually, I don't I don't think. I was going to say, the way this is going, we have to see some sort of payoff between Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair to where maybe it goes to WrestleMania. But in the same sense, I don't want to necessarily see that because... For the Raw Rumble winner, I was assuming maybe Charlotte was going to be eliminated by whoever her opponent for WrestleMania will be. Uh-huh. So I don't and then I thought maybe I, the winner would challenge the Raw Women's Champion, but maybe Charlotte and whoever goes to another pay-per-view and that's that's that. I mean, we haven't seen uh Bailey in a while. That's my pick to win the Raw Rumble, so and that is SmackDown. Yeah. So but moving over to NXT, it kicked off with Braun Breaker where he put Tommaso Ciampa over and he spoke about how great it was that Tommaso Ciampa, after the match, after he lost, went over to Rick Steiner to pay respect to him. So I thought that was cool. And Breaker got fired up about potential challengers. Santos Escobar cuts him off as he's leaving and they have a quick stare down. So perhaps Santos Escobar is the next challenger to Braun Breaker. I think that that would be an interesting, uh, that would make for an interesting match. But I don't know. I still need to see more from Braun Breaker before I'm like, he is going to be a great champion. You know, I like I'm not fully behind it yet. I think he's fantastic in the ring and on the mic too. There you go. There you go. First match of the evening saw Santos Escobar pick up the victory over Zion Quinn to uh, earn Electra Lopez. I don't know. I don't know how else to say that. I don't know. Who I, like, I don't know. That's basically what happened. But Electra Lopez ends up distracting both people in the match. But she low blowed Zion Quinn. I don't necessarily get this. Like, where does Zion Quinn go from here? Ah, yeah, I really don't know. And I don't know, yeah, I just, I don't know, this was like a a weird feud for me. Yeah. After that, Cameron Grimes picked up the victory over Damon Kemp, where we saw Malcolm Bivens watching this. Um, Cameron Grimes had a promo earlier saying 2022, the moon which I thought was cool. And he's focusing on gold. But this match, I, I like in the same sense, I understand it, but I thought it was a little weird because it's Bobby Stevenson, Gable Stevenson's brother. 
and they mentioned they were mentioning wrestlers from Minnesota and they mentioned Gable Stevenson, but they did they just didn't connect that Damon Kemp was his brother. I don't know why they wouldn't do that. And I question that, but then I also figure like think about Solo Sokoa. Where it's like yeah, they both they're... exist in the same universe, but they're not actually mentioning that he is they did well actually no they because they did sort of make mention of it say he's doing his own thing so i don't know but this match went exactly how you would have expected it to if you didn't know that that guy was a collegiate athlete yeah pretty much after Um, that but Idris Anofi and Malik Blade picked up a victory over Harland and Joe Gacy via disqualification. This, I think, was to get... I think Joe Gacy and Harland set this match up because they wanted to prove that they belong in the Dusty Rhodes Classic. But Harland got in the ring and he destroyed Malik Blade and he just didn't listen to the referee, so they what move on the referee as, do? As the, into the Dusty Cup and... I think they could be a tag team that makes it to the finals. I seriously I think see that. I, I really think Anofe and Blade could be the in the finals there. I could see that, you know. Next up you had Tony D'Angelo pick up the victory over Pete Dunne in a crowbar on a pole match. Uh this match I thought was awesome, you know. They battle they brawled all over the place. And I I liked how right at the end that stiff shot with the crowbar to the face. That was fantastic. I thought that was like Pete Dunn just melted after being hit. I yeah. thought that was very well done. Yeah, I thought that was an awesome sell. That crowbar went into business for itself at the beginning where it like fell down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes it takes a while for people to learn to put over others, but <laughs> we got the the swinging neck breaker with the crowbar again, which I liked. Pete Dunn used it for the STF. Overall, yeah, it was a good match. Tony D'Angelo yeah. can hang. Yeah, and a bit pretty big of him picking up the victory. Yeah. Um, throughout the night, we had two different toxic attraction promos. One was, or video packages. One was Mandy Poolside, and then the other featured, I think, featured all three of them. And it was basically the second one basically saying that nobody can touch them. And Kaylee Ray showed up to a photo shoot, which I guess maybe could have possibly been the third video package that they would have had. But she destroyed uh-huh. the set, and she wants a title shot. She wants to face Mandy Rose for that title. So, I don't know if I would... I don't want to see Kaylee Ray lose to Mandy Rose cleanly. Because I Kaylee Ray is in the upper echelon of who has held championships for the longest in WWE history. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But it would be a huge feather in the cap of Mandy Rose. Yeah, but I just, I right now I can't see it. I could see Mandy Rose going over. Well. I think that she, I think she's a great champion. Yeah, I'm not taking anything away from Mandy Rose at all. Yeah, I don't know. I can see her going over, though. After that, Persia Parada, Indy Hartwell, and the now in-ring debuting Wendy Chu 
Picked up the victory over Casey Catanzaro, Caden Carter, and Amari Miller. You and I almost had a mutual text to each other about this segment. <laughs> where during Casey's and Caden's entrance, we literally could not see them due to that terrible lighting. Yeah, it like don't get me wrong. If you're going to have a cool... Like we've had entrances where you can't see the wrestler, right? Like Sheamus but- or Cesaro in that... Exactly. But for this one, you just couldn't make it out at all. And they were trying to, like, it seemed like they were trying to follow both wrestlers, and they just got to the point where they were like, we can't. And then at the end, they ju- they couldn't even find each other, where uh, you could see um, uh, them saying, uh, where's the other one? Oh, she's right there. And then she comes onto the, I think Kaden, uh, Ken Zero comes onto the screen, and you're like, Okay, they can't even see each other. This is not a good entrance. I get it. You go through the crowd and pump them all up, but I could do without the strobe lights. Yeah, but uh, during the match, we saw Briggs and Jensen watching this match. They, uh, I guess, still trying maybe to date Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro. I don't know. <laughs> I think the the match stealer of this was Wendy Chu for me. She slept a bit, but she definitely put in the work here. And this is, it's bizarre to me that Mei Ying didn't work out or what they, like, they took away Mei Ying. Yeah. Because I'm a big fan of, I guess, now Wendy Chu. The gimmick, not 100% sold on. I don't get it. But Um, Yeah, it's interesting gimmick. She's fantastic in the ring. That's what it comes down to. Which which stinks even further because the gimmick, it's like... Look at Orange Cassidy. He's one of the most over people in AEW, so... I can't see this going over like <laughs> Orange Cassidy, though. Well... I mean, that's kind of interesting that you bring up that parallel because now that you say that, I wonder if that's kind of where they're getting at, that, like, laxative kind of a mentality. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, like, I could see that, but I don't know. As far as the match Definitely goes, not going to be. Yeah. I think it was a, a bit all over the place too much for me. Yeah, I could see that. After that, MSK were backstage and they got excited when they saw the Dusty Cup. And Dakota Kai cut them off. Basically, like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe her, how she was acting. It was like. She knows something bad happened. And she basically just said nothing divides friendship more than success. Because Mm -hmm. she won. They're like, whoa, we won the Dusty Cup. And she comes over. She goes, I won the Dusty Cup too. And look where it got her. Her and Raquel Gonzalez had a huge split. And a a, a feud. I don't know if that's foreshadowing where MSK is about to break up or what. I hope that's not the case. I can't see them break up. I really hope not. And I almost feel like it could be MSK versus Idris Anofi and Malik Blade in the finals unless they do go some sort of, like, bro, you cost us the match route. Uh-huh. So we'll, I see, what you're we'll saying. see what happens. I think the Dusty Cup starts next week. N- next, yeah, next week. Uh, yeah, next week. 
After that, Solo Sokoa and Boa had a match that ended in a double countout because they were fighting outside the ring. I thought it was a decent match up until that. And they fought to the back where I'm like, okay, obviously this is going to lead to... Because Boa wanted to have this match by himself. Uh, It was obviously obvious to me that as soon as they took it to the back, he was going to appear as the, the cursed demon Boa, whatever you call him. Yeah, and it was pretty interesting. You know, he got thrown over... Uh, one of the trunks, and then, um, through a when fireball? he when uh, yeah, yeah, when when Solo went went after him, he like hit him in the face with that fireball, and then, as Solo's like rolling over, you have Boa rise up with his face paint on. Yeah, that was a oh, well he, done segment. How fast also. do you think he had to? How fast do you think he had to work to face paint that? Yeah, quickly? right. Come on, <laughs> this is pre-tape city. Whoa, don't spoil it, dude. After that, Carmelo Hayes Camera came magic. out where him and Trick Williams were celebrating Carmelo Hayes' victory over Roderick Strong being now the the only North American champion and I guess no longer having the Cruiserweight Championship in WWE. And they stared down AJ Styles, which I think might be a future match we could potentially see. Carmelo Hayes went to leave and Cameron Grimes ended up being a person who took Carmelo's car keys and he wants he wants yeah. the North American Championship. So, I I don't know. I can't see him winning. Nor do I, but that's definitely going to be the next feud for Hayes. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know if they're going to be putting NXT guys in the, the Royal Rumble, but maybe we see a face-off between Carmelo Hayes and AJ Styles. And then it leads um, to AJ Styles doing more stuff in NXT. I think that would be fantastic. I would have to see more of a, I don't know, maybe. It, I guess it depends on everything with Grayson Waller. I mean, obviously we're going to get to it, but... Yeah, I mean, the main event was AJ Styles putting on the victory over Grayson Waller. And AJ yeah, Styles uh, entered the Raw Rumble prior to this match. Man, an awesome match, too. Yeah, it was really fun to watch. And I think Grayson Waller might have the best elbow drop in WWE, my favorite one right now. Wow. But Grayson Waller yeah. went to use the Styles Clash. It got reversed. And he got out of the way of the phenomenal forearm. Rolls back into the ring, hits a stunner on AJ Styles, evades the Styles Clash for a second time. So that definitely, to me, people are like, oh, how come AJ Styles loses on Raw that gets to beat Grayson Waller? And it's like he built up Grayson Waller here perfectly. Just like he built up almost on Monday Night Raw perfectly. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with AJ Styles putting someone over like that, you know, given he won, but he in the matchup like that. He hits the phenomenal forearm, picks up the victory. Fantastic, by the way, selling from the, the calf crusher throughout the match for Grayson Waller. Yeah. AJ Styles puts Waller over on the microphone afterwards. And he's like, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. And L.A. Knight returned, and that led to L.A. Knight and Grayson Waller brawling. 
So I think that Which puts that concludes the end it. of AJ Styles and Grayson Waller now. That's true. I, I totally forgot about the, the return of Lenite. So that makes sense. Yeah. And that's NXT moving over to NXT UK, which kicked off with Dave Mastiff and Jack Stars picking up the victory over Teoman and Rohan Raja, which it was going fine. Looked like Mastiff and Stars were about to win. And then the referee got distracted and Charlie Dempsey got involved. Gallus came out to back them up and they brawled after the match. Mastiff and Stars move on to the finals of the tag title tournament. And um I don't I get they they seem like the team that would end up ultimately winning that tournament, but to face Mustache Mountain. After that, Amel picked up the victory over Stevie Turner. Ginny was on commentary for this, and it's pretty crazy because they showed Ginny and Andy Shepard, but Nigel, I guess, does it from Florida because he's commentating on 205 Live every week. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool to see the fact that we we don't see Nigel, but we see Ginny and Andy. Um, the match itself was pretty short. It just put Amel over. And Amel was interviewed after, and Ginny cuts it off and tried to start something with Amel, and Amel pushed her and blew up and had to be held back, but there wasn't a brawl or anything. Main event of NXT UK... Walter picked up the victory over Nathan Fraser, and this was billed as Walter's last stand. It's his last match for now, at least in NXT UK, and I thought it was a good match. Different from other matches that we've seen Walter have with smaller guys. Like, Fraser is kind of like a a cruiserweight more so, rather Mm -hmm. than like a powerhouse that Ilya Dragunov would be. So he had some faster moves here, some counters that we we normally wouldn't see against Walter. But ultimately, I think the really good part of this match were like the last five minutes I thought was really good. So now Walter comes to America. We've seen him already on NXT TV. What he does here, do you think he's going to Raw or SmackDown or do you think he stays in NXT? I'm going to say with, I don't know. It's tough to say. I don't think stay with NXT. Does he you? dethrone Brock Lesnar? Uh, I don't know. It's tough to say. And what's crazy, I mean, I could see Brock Lesnar put him in, putting him over too. If they give that match time... That could be, be awesome. That could be a match of the year candidate. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with that. But that would be interesting. Yeah, and that is NXT UK moving over to SmackDown. The Usos opened the show and spoke about how New Day always pushes them to be the best, but they need new opponents, and they brought out Los Lothario, Cesaro, and Mansoor. Jinder Mahal and Shanky, and then the Viking Raiders, which led to a brawl between the four teams, which sets up a fatal four-way match where the Viking Raiders pick up the victory over the other three teams to become the number one contenders. I think the right team won, but I wish they didn't pin Los Lotharios to do so. 
I also wish this match was, uh, I don't know, better. I feel like it was a lot of nothing. After that, we saw Sonya Deville and Naomi backstage. And Sonya said that Naomi thinks she's the main character, but she's really not. And then threatened her spot in the Royal Rumble. And she also mentioned the thing about her jacket. When it's on, she's in charge and you can't touch her. And throughout the night, (laughs) Adam Pearce, he futzed with the, the thermostat. So he was super cold and then it was very hot in the room and Sonya Deville ends up later on taking off her jacket and Naomi walks into the room and before anything could happen, Adam Pierce gets in between both of them and sets up Naomi versus Charlotte Flair again for the championship next week on SmackDown. I thought that was a funny thing throughout the whole night. Sami Zayn came out and spoke about being the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship. And he also brought up Johnny Knoxville being part of the whole big conspiracy. And he's now in the Royal Rumble himself. And he wants to, uh, he wanted to upstage Johnny Knoxville by doing a jackass stunt. So he had a show called In Zane and came out with elbow pads, all this padding, a helmet and a shopping cart where he was going to be pushed down the ramp and jump the ring in the shopping cart, <laughs> which he ended up uh, chickening out. And Rick Boog showed up with a brand new haircut, which is bizarre, short hair. And it served as a distraction for Sami Zayn, who turned around and got hit by Shinsuke Nakamura. And then Rick Boogs tossed him over the top rope to land on the crash pad. After that, we saw Aaliyah pick up the victory over Natalia. The interview segment beforehand, I didn't really like. I don't know why they had to mention Aaliyah and the puke when it happened over two months ago and not everybody even, like, saw it. But Natalia is all about setting records now and she wants to have the fastest... She wanted to have the fastest pin in WWE history. And Natalia gets out there, attacks... Aaliyah before the match, the referee tries to call the match off, but Aaliyah was like, no, 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 I want to still go, and then ends up breaking the record for the fastest pin in WWE history at 3.17 seconds, so I think that's pretty cool, if I was there, I'd, I'd, it's not necessarily something, like, super cool that I was there for, that I'd, like, I'm, like, super excited to see, But I think it's cool that if I was there, I got to see a record in WWE be broken. After that, Lita returned to SmackDown for the first time in, I think they said, 20 years. Um, She thinks that she has one more run left in her. And she wants to have that match at WrestleMania. And Charlotte came out to talk herself up. She brought up retiring Trish Stratus and said that at the Royal Rumble, she plans to do that to Lita. And Lita goes to slap Charlotte. Charlotte flinches, so Lita hits her with a twist of fate. I think it's always great to see Lita. It's actually cool to see them build her up before the Royal Rumble. We don't really normally get that, so I think that's really cool. Uh, as far as like a somebody coming back to WWE gets a build up. For a Raw Rumble match. After that, Sheamus picked up the victory over Ricochet. 
Prior to this match, Sheamus was interviewed and threatened to break Ricochet's nose. As far as the match goes, I thought it was a good match. I thought Ricochet would win this, but he goes for a handspring move, and Sheamus hit him with the bro kick to pick up that victory. I thought that was a nice segment. After that, Kofi Kingston came out and announced that Xavier Woods is injured and will not be able to make an appearance in the Raw Rumble, so Xavier Woods put it on to Kofi Kingston, which will be his 14th Raw Rumble. He's in second place as for someone who's competed in the most Raw Rumbles. Kane's at 17. Mad Cat Moss and Happy Corbin came out. Corbin claimed that he was going to eliminate Kofi Kingston. This leads into Kofi's match where Mad Cat Moss actually picks up the victory over Kofi Kingston. Madcap tried to throw Kofi over at, t- at one point, and Kofi did one of the, the Royal Rumble save spots, taking Moss over the top, which I thought was pretty cool. But ultimately, Corbin distracted Kofi Kingston at one point, and although Kofi Kingston was able to reverse some things after that from Madcap Moss, he did end up getting hit with the punchline to lose the match. So that was unexpected. I liked that what the match was for what it was not really what I would call a main event but it was the main event the the final segment closing out Smackdown we saw Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns in a face-to-face where Seth Rollins he starts out the segment by putting his fist out to do the shield thing and Roman Reigns said it that that's all beneath him Roman claimed to be the greatest of all time the best universal champ or the greatest universal champion of all time, which makes him the greatest of all time in general. Rollins said that he came out to acknowledge Roman Reigns and everything he's done. And he questioned Roman Reigns on whether or not he can say that he did everything on his own like Seth Rollins did. He went from the shield, he went to went from the shield to his family. And Seth Rollins said that he created him. Therefore, he can destroy him. And Roman Reigns clapped back by saying that if he wanted to main event, if he wanted to pick his opponent for the Raw Rumble to main event against a megastar, he would have chosen Becky Lynch, which I thought was a great line. The Usos tried to jump Seth Rollins. Rollins ends up escaping. I thought this was a great closing segment for SmackDown. The first 30 minutes of SmackDown, I thought was not really good the last 30 minutes I would say was much better I wish this segment was longer though but that is Smackdown gonna take a quick little break right now hear a word from our sponsors over at Manscaped and I'll be right back here on Marking Out Support for Marking Out is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Look, I mean, I've done it. Dave's done it. Brandon's never done it. You're down there. You're you know, shaving up, making sure everything looks clean and fresh, and you get a nick. 
get a little cutsky there, and it stinks. It's no, it, it's no fun whatsoever. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. It's the ball hair trimmer equivalent of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Because we all know that Brandon's gonna need it. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. So that way, you don't make a mess all over your bathroom. The one coolest feature is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So that way I can charge my lawnmower 3.0, my camera batteries, and my phone all on the same shelf. Huzzah! If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's one for this uh, read, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's two for this read, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code REGARDLESS. That's three for the three. And folks, if you want your boomer sooner to be fruity, delicious, fruity, fruity, delicious, fruity, delicious, well, then use the code REGARDLESS to get 20% off and free shipping. That's now four for this read. Don't forget to sauce it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 571. Remember to head over to manscaped.com. Use the code regardless. Get yourself 20% off and free shipping. AEW Rampage from last week. We saw Adam Cole pick up the victory over Jake Atlas. Jake Atlas was definitely hanging with Adam Cole here. I liked him in NXT. I like that he's in AEW now. They were putting on a really good match. And then Atlas went for a springboard, which got reversed into a super kick. And unfortunately, on the landing of that springboard, it left him with a hurt knee, like I said last week. Uh, Adam Cole still went for the Panama Sunrise, and then stopped. He clubbed him on the back, down to the mat, locked in a leg bar, made Jake Atlas tap out. First of all, when I heard about the injury, when that like news came out, I thought they had stopped the match. I didn't know he finished the match. So kudos to him, but Undisputed Era went to attack Jake Atlas afterwards, and the best friends came out to chase them off. That's furthers their feud. Backstage, Andrade really wants to hire Darby Allen as his assistant. I don't get it. But I wanna just I wanna see more Andrade wrestling on TV. After that, Hook picked up the victory over Aaron Solo. This is a typical hook match. QT Marshall got in the ring afterwards, got in Hook's face, went for a punch, ate a side Tazplex. So, I mean, I, yeah, it's like how different can a Hook match be if they're building him up like this? But I don't mind it. After that, Riho and Ruby Soho picked up the victory over Brett Baker and Jamie Hayter. I thought this was a decent match. There were a few sloppy spots. But... As far as the match goes, I like Jamie Hayter accidentally hitting Britt Baker because that teases an eventual thing with them. Um, Riho ends up rolling Jamie Hayter up to pick up the victory. I thought the actual pin was bizarre because it didn't look like Jamie Hayter tried to get out of it, but like it looked like Riho 
was struggling to keep Hader there? Main event saw Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz pick up the victory over Daniel Garcia and 2.0. This was a street fight, which started backstage. Nice to see that. They went all over the ringside area. It was a decent street fight. I just personally, I didn't need this. I didn't need to see a street fight between these men. And we've gotten so many six-man, eight-man, ten-man tags recently. We just got a street fight the other week. But 2.0, Daniel Garcia end up taping Eddie Kingston to the ropes afterwards. And Chris Jericho stepped in to chase them off. AEW Battle of the Belts took place where it was announced Cody wasn't medically cleared, so he was replaced by Dustin Rhodes. I think that's dumb. And in my opinion, they should have, as soon as they knew Cody Rhodes was off the show, they should have had Jurassic Express step up or Hangman step up to defend their titles. To me, it's like, who cares if they were just defended on Wednesday? It's what champions are supposed to do. But Sammy Guevara picks up the victory over Dustin Rhodes to become the interim TNT champion. It was a great match. The one thing I didn't get was them saying that Dustin could become champion if Sammy was counted out. I don't know if that's a rule for for the TNT championship. But I thought the GTH was going to be the finish here. Dustin ends up rolling out of the ring. I really hated Fuego Del Sol in this spot. Like, why was he under the ring? And why did he set up a table? Like, what, what a way to make a match even less prestigious than it already is than to have enhancement talent getting involved, trying to cheat. I liked Dustin Rhodes and Sammy Guevara fighting on the apron. Sammy went for a Spanish fly, got eventually reversed into a Canadian destroyer off the apron through the table. Sammy ends up getting up from that, reversed a pin, which was reversed into a pin, which was reversed into a pin to pick up the victory there. Daniel Garcia came out afterwards, got in Sammy Guevara's face, and they ended up brawling. Garcia got the better of Sammy Guevara, and that leads to Dynamite. Ricky Starks, last-minute addition to this pay-per-view match, special, whatever they call it, a TNT special show, ends up picking up the victory over Matt Seidel to retain the FTW championship. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know if they added this match last minute because Cody couldn't be there. And I also still don't know, like, I'm almost certainly don't recognize this title. So why would you have someone defend a title on an event about titles that the company doesn't even recognize as an actual title. As far as the match, I thought it was decent. Matt Seidel hasn't had a TV win in like seven months. Ricky Starks hadn't had one in like three months from that point. Which it's like, why should anyone care about that match if no, neither of them had, had wins recently? Team Taz ends up beating down Matt Seidel afterwards. Lee Moriarty tried to make the save. He got got, and Dante Martin came out, and they got he got the better of them. That also sets up Dynamite. 
Main event saw Britt Baker pick up the victory over Riho to retain the AEW Women's Championship. Jamie Hayter got involved. She took out a table, which Riho was able to run up and dropkick her off of. I thought that was a pretty cool spot. Rebel also got involved and ate a double foot stomp while she was trying to shield Britt Baker from being foot stomped. But Riho ultimately has never actually lost to Britt Baker. But after all this outside interference, Britt Baker was able to hit, I think it was two curb stomps and eventually use Lockjaw to pick up the victory. And people said this might have been Riho's best match in AEW. I don't think it was better than Rio versus Serena Deeb. But I still, I really enjoyed this match. And I really like that Britt Baker's in all these like main events. Obviously, I would have enjoyed this match a lot more had there not been the outside interference. Uh, moving over to Dynamite, AEW opens up with Adam Cole coming out, puts over Undisputed Era being back together and how great their 2020, their 2021s were for them, which brings out the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler. And they were basically saying how the Young Bucks won't stand in Red Dragon's way of becoming champions. And Adam Cole started to talk trash about the best friends and almost instantly the best friends came out. Orange Cassidy ends up attacking Adam Cole and they all brawl. And right before Adam Cole hits a super kick, Chris Statlander gets in Adam Cole's way. And Britt Baker came out and attacked her. Then she held Orange Cassidy for a super kick. I thought this was a bad opening to Dynamite. Later on, Adam Cole and Britt Baker end up challenging Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander to an intergender or a mixed tag match. I'm not sure which one was which, but I'm looking forward to that match next week. Uh, After that, CM Punk picked up the victory over Wardlow. CM Punk controlled most of the beginning of this match, but Wardlow was finally able to hit his power bombs, and MJF stops him from pinning him because MJF wanted to inflict more damage. So Wardlow picks him up, powerbomb, 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 puts him through the timekeeper table. Aubrey didn't even start counting until after that, which I thought was dumb. Jim Ross tried to cover it up. Obviously, I thought CM Punk was winning this match. And despite being completely out, he got an inside cradle to pick up the victory. I thought it was bad officiating. And uh, I wasn't a fan of this match. I liked the how much the crowd was cheering for Wardlow, though. And MJF afterwards yelled at Wardlow for losing. Pushed him even. And Wardlow grabs his hand, and before he could do anything, Sean Spears comes out, pleads with Wardlow, and he lets him go. Later on in the night, MJF stormed out, super pissed off to yell about CM Punk, and guaranteed CM Punk's first loss next week, and sets up a match against Sean Spears, where like everyone thought it was going to be MJF and Sean Spears. I still think MJF is going to be fighting MJF. Uh, CM Punk at Beach Break. After that, Dante Martin picked up the victory over Powerhouse Hobbs. Ricky Starks attacked Dante Martin behind the referee's back. But Jay Lethal eventually ran down to prevent Ricky Starks from getting involved further. And ultimately, Dante Martin is just really good. 
Will Hobbs played his part so well in this match. I thought this was the best match of the night. I, and it was, I don't even think it was like a long match, but as far as what it was, I thought it was really good and really well done. After that, Adam Page came out and he gets cut off by Dan Lambert, who at first compliments him at the same time, putting Cody Rhodes down. And he eventually, I think, starts to trash talk Adam Page a bit. And then Lance Archer makes his return, and it looks like he's about to attack Dan Lambert, but ends up taking out Adam Page. He did his finisher on top of a chair, so it looks like the next championship match that we'll see is Lance Archer versus Adam Page, and I'm happy for that. I'm happy that Lance Archer is back. Backstage, Arn Anderson was with Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson, and it was cut off by Tully Blanchard and FTR, who... I thought it was funny because Tully told Arn to get rid of the dead weight and come join them. And FTR then challenged them to a match next week. Um, yeah, so that'll be a match. I thought it was a bit goofy. They're like, we're in horseman country, but let's have a match next week instead. So after that, Serena Deeb picks up the victory over Hikaru Shida via ref stoppage. That, I thought, was dumb. Hikaru Shida gets attacked during her entrance, which literally just happened with Will Hobbs and Dante Martin. But Serena Deeb eventually locked Hikaru Shida in the half-crab, and the referee called for the bell. It did not look like Hikaru Shida was like struggling to the point where the referee needed to call for the bell. She didn't tap. Deeb ends up attacking Shida afterwards with a kendo stick. And this only, to me, makes CM Punk versus Wardlow look even more dumb to me. Because it's like CM Punk struggled. He was powerbomb, 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 powerbomb. And at the last second, he's able to roll through for that cradle. And here, Hikaru Shida didn't even get a chance to tap out. So I, I really, I didn't like this match. and I. I didn't care for that the, that they were doing this again. Their other matches were much better. But now I think it's tied up 2-2. Uh, after that backstage, Jurassic Express said they want to challenge any of the top five tag teams. Any of the, any time. Johnny and Alex came up to them, Dark Order, and said that they're in the top five and it sets up a match for Rampage. So that'll be something fun to look forward to. I'm a big fan of all four of these guys. After that, Penta picks up the victory over Matt Hardy. They're in Hardy country. They started with a dueling Sarah Miedo and uh, a delete chant, which the, uh, the delete chants were much louder, I think, than the Sarah Miedo. But Penta ends up picking up the victory after a package pile driver. I wish this match was longer. I really do. But later on, Matt Hardy spoke about needing a change. And Andrade cuts him off, and he's like, we're both businessmen. I want to negotiate to work with Matt Hardy. So we'll see Matt Hardy and Andrade maybe join forces to do something in the future. Like I said with Rampage or whatever it was, I just want to see Andrade wrestling. That was like a big disappointment when I, when I went to Dynamite. 
was not being able to see Andrade. After the, the actual match, though, Penta spoke about Malachi Black. And Malachi Black showed up. He took Alex Abrahantes out and brawled with Penta. And Malachi Black goes to rip Penta's mask off, but the Varsity Blondes try to make the save. The lights go out, and Brody King makes his official AEW debut there. I'm happy that he's finally here. It was teased a few weeks ago. I just, I thought we were going to maybe see Buddy Murphy as well. There were zero rumors of Buddy Murphy in AEW. But I, I had hopes that maybe we would see the House of Black be Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Murphy. So, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. And what comes of it. We also saw a pack vignette where he's blind from Aleister Black. And nobody really knows if he's feuding with him or joining him. He's kind of like a daredevil character as of late. I watched the, the Netflix MCU stuff so much like last week, the last two weeks, where it's like the stuff in the vignette was reminding me <laughs> where like Pac could use his, his sense of hearing to, to do stuff now. I don't know if that's going to play into it. I, like, is he going to wrestle blindfolded now? I have no idea. But we saw the acclaimed pick up the victory over Bear Country. Very nice wrestle pro and create a pro mashup match here. Um, I was a big fan of, of Tommy. Uh, uh, Boulder, Bear Boulder hitting a double end of days to the acclaimed in this match. I thought it was really cool. And ultimately the acclaimed picked up the victory. I would have loved, I would love for this match to have gone on longer. Afterwards though, Sting showed up as did Darby Allen and they took the acclaimed out. So I'm assuming we're going to see some sort of tag match with them. Earlier in the night, we saw Chris Jericho interviewed backstage with the inner circle and Eddie Kingston cut it off to yell at Chris Jericho. And Santana and Ortiz ended up leaving Chris Jericho there. And this ties into the main event where Sammy Guevara picks up the victory over Daniel Garcia to retain the interim TNT championship. But Eddie Kingston was ringside. Chris Jericho is ringside. During that promo Earlier in the night, Chris Jericho told Eddie Kingston he could be ringside and watch if he wants to. But for me, Eddie Kingston being out there to keep an eye on Daniel Garcia made no sense. Like, I would understand if Santana and Ortiz were in this match. Given the the whole street fight aspect from the other week. But I just, it didn't make sense that he was ringside. and. This match to me was a lot of nothing. 2.0 came out and attacked Eddie Kingston. They attacked Chris Jericho. Sammy ends up fighting 2.0 off and and wins the match. But afterwards, 2.0 attacks Sammy Guevara. Chris Jericho end up teaming up to take 2.0 out. It's very clear that that's what was going to happen. As soon as they had Chris Jericho 
and Eddie Kingston in that backstage segment, I think that's what it was going to lead to. But Eddie Kingston being out there again made no sense. But that is AEW. Hey, Brandon, got any shout outs? This is Droopy Dog, and you're listening to Brandon's Shoutouts. The first shout-out goes to Bob Saget, who unfortunately passed away this week at the age of 65. Uh, I first knew him as Danny Tanner on Full House, which he would later reprise on Fuller House. I knew him as the host and voices on America's Funniest Home Videos. And I, I mean, for you probably as well, like that's where, yeah, same, yeah, same exact things. You know, every Friday night you turn on the TV and watch America's funniest home videos with him hosting. I mean, him, uh, as the father on full house and really ultimately America's father. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and he was just, I mean, Danny Tanner, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, and then for those people that did don't know from there, you probably know him from like uh, Half Baked. Yeah, and it's funny because it's like when when I was a kid, even though Half Baked came out in like I think ninety eight, but I probably no, I probably saw it around then. But uh-huh. as a kid, like I we knew Danny Tanner, Danny Tanner, yeah, Bob yeah. Saget to me were the same person. Exactly. So whenever when I saw him at Half Baked, I was just like, "Wait, what?" And then apparently finding out that that was pretty much really him. The year before, <laughs> like a that. foul, like a foul mouth co- uh, comedian. They had a a seventy fifth birthday roast for Rodney Dangerfield. I think it aired on HBO. I was eight years old. My dad was watching this. He's a huge fan of Rodney Dangerfield. And I remember going into his room and seeing Bob Saget. And I I don't think I was, I feel like I was talking to him or talking to my parents. And Bob Saget gets up and starts delivering (laughs) comedy where like knowing him as Danny Tanner and then hearing him curse like a sailor yeah blew my mind <laughs> yeah i know i apparently on the list on full house on the set they always had to like uh like remind him to not curse in front of the kids or something like that yeah and it's just like it was crazy and like you said his his cameo in half baked i thought was great his stuff on Entourage. How I Met Your Mother? Yeah, the narrator on How I Met Your Mother. And I was a big fan of his stand-up specials. I've seen him live three times in uh, 2009, yeah. 2015, 2017. I wish he put out more music. He was just on last year, I think it was, or maybe two years ago. He was on The Masked Singer, so we got some more like singing, yeah. but like not his version of singing. And I find myself singing a few of his songs every now and then. So Mm -hmm. ultimately, thank you for entertaining me for literally my whole life. And uh, condolences go out to his his family and his friends. It's just heartbreaking to see all the the, the full house cast and everybody putting out those messages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ronnie Spector also unfortunately passed away this week at the age of 78. She was part of the Ronettes who had 
such hits like Walking in the Rain, Baby I Love You. Be my, be my baby. Brian Wilson was inspired by that song. I think he said the first time he heard it, he like pulled off the side of the road to be like, holy hell, what am I hearing right now? This is so good. And that inspired him to to, to write Don't Worry Baby. Really? Which I think was supposed to be a follow-up song. Like, huh. it was supposed to be a Ronette song. And I think because Phil Spector was Phil Spector. And it's like, yeah. well, I don't have any writing credit on this. She's not doing it. They're not doing it. It did not become Awful. a Ronette song. And the, the Beach Boys ended up recording that. Billy Joel also wrote Say Goodbye to Hollywood, which was inspired by Be My Baby. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's got the same beat and everything. And Ronnie Spector ends up covering Don't Worry Baby, and she covered Say Goodbye to Hollywood. She had such an amazing voice, too. Yeah, I was a big fan of the Ronettes, big fan of Ronnie Spector. She was featured in Eddie Money's Take Me Home Tonight. So. But I, I got to see her in 2012. I really wish I got to see her more than one time. And when I saw her, she wasn't allowed to sing Be My Baby because it wasn't a, a concert. It was a concert, but it wasn't a concert concert. It was a more of like a a, a show which featured that's music. That's crazy. That, that's crazy to be like, like con- under a contract... Uh, where you're unable to perform your song. I don't even think it was a contract. I just think it's like Phil Spector was very controlling. And because it wasn't a concert, it was like a, a show. Not like a, mm-hmm. it wasn't like a Broadway show or anything, but it was like. Like a talk, talk stuff. Yeah. Like there were scenes like a, a, a bio, a, an autobiography biographical geez that was a uh-huh. difficult word to say <laughs> but it was <laughs> no, it, it wasn't you. the typical concert and it wasn't billed as such so because it was a show versus a concert she was according to her not allowed to sing it because of phil Spector. wow awful but, but uh yeah i still really enjoyed the show i got her autograph i did not meet her but i did get the autograph yeah i wish i got sad. i wish i got to meet her i wish i got to meet bob saget but I wasn't able to, and I'm just happy I got to see both of them live. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last shout-out, uh, kind of a, a hot topic that took place this week where fans waiting at airports for autographs. It was a super hot topic. And CM Punk was extremely against it, is extremely against it, but people like Brian Pillman Jr. and Danny Cage kind of made me see like another side to it. And I... Like, I typically, I see it being gross to do things like that. But, like, if you're actually at an airport for a flight, I see no problem with, like, approaching a wrestler. And I understand, like, you go there with, like, a million things to get signed. To me, that is gross. Yeah. But I definitely see both sides of the story here. And one time, I was about to hop on a plane... And I saw Paul Rudd coming off of the flight before me. And it was like super late at night. And we locked eyes where I think he knew I knew he was Paul Rudd. 
Did you blow him a kiss? No, but he, like, we just had, like, that mutual, like, we locked eyes, and he gave me, like, a little head nod to, like, maybe appreciate. Don't say a word, the, kid. It was maybe, like, to appreciate the fact that I didn't bother him in the airport, perhaps. But I kind of really wish I did stop him for a picture, but I just, I always feel weird I, doing something like that. And it's not like I was waiting at the airport specifically to meet Paul Rudd. Nah, I, I totally understand what you're saying, and I definitely, I personally believe that you should take advantage of those moments. I mean, I know from our firsthand experience with like P, uh, WrestlePro and PWS and stuff like that, and NYWC, that's just life in general. Uh, we didn't take advantage of just talking or getting an autograph or taking a picture with people that we admire. Right. Um, you know, and I feel like it's a big regret that we did not. And so like, even like Chris has a story where he met, where he didn't meet him, but he saw Jimmy Havoc, uh, Jimmy Havoc. Yeah. Jimmy Havoc at a concert. And I, I told him to like, he ended up not going over to meet to say anything to him. And I'm like thinking, I'm like, oh, I wish that he went over because it's one of those things where you don't always get presented with that opportunity to meet someone, especially someone that you admire and that you're a fan of, you know? Right, yeah. And it's such a rarity where if that opportunity presents, you really have to put that. I care. I don't want to intrude or anything like that to the side. And just really for that moment, you, do have it's okay to be selfish and you know and i don't mean selfish in a negative tone and i mean that it's okay to go over and introduce yourself and thank them for what they did for you how they impact you and take a picture you know i think that's okay i think that's okay completely you know and like i said i feel like i would have felt super weird asking for a picture with paul rudd at the airport but i also feel like i would have felt super weird if i had seen him on the street and do that like, yeah, another time when I was after WrestleMania 28, when I flew back to LaGuardia, um, there were a ton of paparazzi there at the airport. Like almost it seemed like they were following me, but there were who tipped. Yeah. Who tipped them <laughs> off that you were landing? It was like a princess or something that was also there of like a country or like some sort of like uh, um, an elected official or something that was there from some country. And they, she, she was being swarmed by the paparazzi, which well, seems I mean, super annoying. And it was like annoying for me because I was just trying to leave the airport and there's cameras literally all over. Not necessarily me because I'm not the target there, but. Well, I mean, that's what you get signed up for when you marry somebody like that. Right. I mean, so it's like, well I, I do see listeners. both sides and it's like, even at when I went to see NXT when they had when they had NXT at the the theater at Madison Square Garden, I did see Pete Gas walking around and Shane McMahon was sitting right there front row, not where I could have afterwards or during the show gotten down to where they were. I I ultimately I probably could have gone and met them, and I always regretted not doing that. Pete Gas was like, "Brother, you should have come over and said hello," on Twitter when I tweeted it. Yeah, you see? It's one of those situations. I just don't feel comfortable doing it. You live and you learn. But ultimately... Yeah, it's one of those things like... And then you hear like they wouldn't have minded right. if you actually took advantage and went up to them and just said hi. Right. You know, sometimes if they're just sitting around or whatever, sometimes they don't mind that, that company. Right. And that's like even... I mean, past Rangers games, we used to have a family friend of ours had seats 
right near Boomer Esiason. I never, ever, like, approached Boomer for pictures or anything. I never, like, asked for autographs. Even seeing Roger Bear so many times at Rangers games because he was a, a family friend of a family friend. I never asked him for an autograph. I never asked for, for a picture. And I always, I regret stuff like that. Yeah, that's the, you, know, you see, and that's the stu- stuff that sucks. But you know? again, like I said, I don't feel comfortable enough to do that. Had you or somebody I mean, been look, there, I would 100%. So, I mean, something that, I mean, Kalisto. You know, we drove Kalisto to uh, the hotel from an event once and total regret not taking a picture. Yeah. Same same thing with Rocky. Rocky Johnson. Also, that night when Lance. Matt Hardy. When Lance. Well, I have a picture with Matt, but not from the same night. But when (laughs) Lance Onawahi invited us to go out with his family and like, I I just, I regret not Uh, getting pictures with Afa. But at least, yeah. again, we have that time that we spent together. Exactly. But we could – and honestly, we could have been like, hey, can we get a picture with you guys? And, and realistically – Yeah, they would have 100% been fine. Exactly. They would have totally been fine with it. They wouldn't have cared. And, okay, let's be realistic. If they did care, they're not going to see us again. You know? Maybe. It's one of those – maybe. <laughs> you know? I mean, besides Lance, you know? I, I do have a picture with Lance from WrestleMania. Yeah. Which is and, uh, oddly macho enough. Macho Man, quote unquote. Yeah, with Macho Man. <laughs> you know, but yeah. So ultimately, but. my last shout out goes to Paul Rudd because that was an airport interaction that I. <laughs> I'm just going to real since, since we since we brought up uh, Lance Anawari, he did undergo surgery, so. Go support Lance. Go head over to his ProWrestlingTees.com website. Go buy a t-shirt. You could also purchase 8x10, autograph 8x10s from him. Uh, Yeah, go support Lance. Yeah. But those are my... And we wish you a speedy recovery. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) And uh, those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for... Our... Our... Our mark out moment of the week. I got a few. Do you have any? Um, just seeing Waller versus AJ Styles on NXT. I marked out for, and I marked out for uh, Brody King making his AEW debut. Yeah, I I marked out for Brody King. The reaction with the crowd wasn't as loud as I expected it to be. Maybe because they teased it so much on, I think it was like the week before with the lights going off, lights going back on. So I don't even know if they, I, I don't know if I could even say that was a tease. That was just, that, that was, to me, that was dumb. Even during the main event when Malachi Black wasn't involved there, it was just, it was off. But they did have the vignette a few weeks ago where I thought for sure Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Brody King, for me at least, I don't know, scheduling-wise, maybe there was a conflict. I thought for sure he should have showed up on the very first episode on TBS. I agree with you. I feel like that was a missed opportunity. Right. And I was also, like I said earlier, I was hoping for Buddy Murphy to be there as well. So, 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't, and, again, I don't think there's any rumors or anything of him being there. It was came out last week that Brody King did sign to AEW, so that was a thing. Yeah, I mean, definitely missed opportunity there. Now I really, I'd mark out if Tyler Bateman joined them. I would mark out for that. Well, we what should about see. You? Uh, well, yeah. The Righteous Gemstones is back on HBO for season two, and it literally opens up with a pro wrestling scene. Unexpected nice. as hell. Apparently, John Goodman's character, spoiler alert, was a pro wrestler back in the day. That's cool. Yeah, I had no idea. So I, I'm a, I'm a fan of this show. It uh, there's a lot of blood on this show for a show oh. about like preachers and stuff. I'm gonna say that I I also marked out for the TV show Money Heist. If we're gonna toss TV shows in there, mm. I marked out for Money Heist. I finally finished that. Well, speaking of TV shows. John Cena was on The Tonight Show. He was on Late Night with Seth Meyers. A bunch of other programs this week. Dressed as Peacemaker to promote HBO <laughs> Max's show, which premiered this week. I watched I... The, the episodes that, that were released so far, and it's such a fun show. It reminds me, just like the, the Suicide Squad movie. So if you did see the, the sequel to The Suicide Squad with John Cena as Peacemaker and you were a fan of that, then you're 100% set for this. Yeah, I think I'm really going to enjoy it. And I, like, I am not really a DC guy, and I enjoy Peacemaker so much to the point where I wish this took place in the MCU. I wish Peacemaker was a Marvel character. I got it. I, you saw it? Yeah. You watched it? Yeah, there's three episodes out, and I think it's... I have to... I'm like, I'm hooked. The Even, I was less than 10 minutes into the first episode. I'm like, this is fantastic. I'm going to toss it out there. Watch Doom Patrol on HBO Max as well. It doesn't have John Cena no, no. in it, though. It doesn't have... Um, I'm trying to think if there's any appearances from anyone. But I honestly, if you like... The Suicide Squad movies, like the newer ones, and Peacemaker, watch Doom Patrol. At least watch the first three episodes. See if it hooks you. I think it's going to hook you. Well, I I don't know about that, but... Give it a shot. Also, uh, we didn't even speak what about it. What do you got it. to lose, kid? Um, this week, it was reported. I'm not sure who reported it first. I'm almost certain it was Fightful. But after seven years, Corey Graves is apparently cleared for a return to in-ring competition. Yeah, that's previously huge. retired due to the concussions, so this is awesome because Corey Graves was like regarded as like the next guy at that point. And we never unfortunately we never got to see that potential be used. So whether or not he starts wrestling, I have no idea. Maybe he'll be in the Royal Rumble. I don't know. He's a really good commentator, though. So I would be disappointed to lose him as a commentator. Yeah. But at the same time, I would love to see him wrestle newer guys in WWE right now. I feel like, personally, I have to go back and watch a few of his stuff. But, yeah. Former NXT Tag Team Champion with Neville. Former WWE 2K and a 2K. 24-7 champion right now. Um, and then also, I just have one more markout moment of the week that took place on the Goldbergs this week, because 
I mean, Goldberg, Bill Goldberg has been on the show before. He was on last week. He plays a coach on the show. So it's not like a mark out that he was on this. But this week's episode, I popped because he's, they were doing something where they were using the the, the musical fame and the song uh-huh. fame from that musical. So there's a scene, also spoiler alert if you haven't seen the Goldbergs yet for this week, he's dancing. <laughs> So if you want to see Goldberg dancing on TV or whatever, I thought it was really funny. So check out the Goldbergs. I think you can watch it on Hulu. And uh, I, I I thought it was funny. I popped for that. Nice. But that is the mark out moments of the week. And that is episode 571. You can check us out on Twitter at Marking Out, on Instagram at Marking Out 11. Same thing on YouTube. Uh, markingout.com, Spotify podcast, Apple podcast. You could check us out. Facebook.com slash marking out pro wrestling tees.com slash marking out. Use the code regardless for 25, 20% off. Sorry. 20% off and free shipping at manscape.com. Dave, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at David PTDPT. Chris, you can follow on Twitter at Chris Sween Dog and Instagram at CM Sweeney85. And me, you can follow at BTTG161. For Chris, we wish you the, the best of luck in your future endeavors.